stand to our feet, church. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, who are, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Church, we're going to just start with prayer. And as Paul has spoken that and as I read that over you, that's our hearts today as we bring the word. And as I pray, Paul talks about having an insight, a spiritual insight, a knowledge and understanding. As I pray over you now, you pray, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Let me see. Be hungry. Like Barry talked about, be hungry today. Be hungry for what God's going to do in you. Because I'll tell you, every time we open the word of God, it will transform your life if you allow it to. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we have the great privilege to be here today. And we pray, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that our eyes would be open, that we would see just that little bit more clearly as we open your word up today. Lord, that you would find a people here who are hungry. We are hungry to know you more. We are hungry to live a life of victory. We are hungry that we won't settle for second best. Lord, we are hungry that we won't admit defeat. We are hungry because we know who you are. And so, Holy Spirit, move in this place, I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You know, when my boys were little, they must get fed up because I tell stories about them. But there's a reason why I can only tell about the boys. From a very young age, from about the age of two. Sorry, Josh, I forgot to say. You could, if I didn't say that, it'd be playing for the next 35 minutes. Thank you, Josh. Um, although that was quite nice, I could have gone the full whack then with you playing behind, but to spare your fingers and your feet. You know, um, from about the age of maybe two, um, they wore glasses. And um, wow, trying to keep their glasses clean when they were two years old, two and a half years old. I remember once their glasses completely went missing. We could not find the glasses. We trekked off to Specsavers again to get a new pair of glasses. And for several years, it was my job, or I saw it was my job, to clean their glasses so they could see. And then you would clean the glasses, and you would see when you put them back on the faces, they were like, wow, this is actually what the world looks like. But you know, Adam and Joshua came to a certain point where they grew up, and it would be really weird if I went and whipped Adam's glasses off his face and began to clean them for him at the grand old age of 19 years old, if I leapt upon the platform mid-worship, whipped glass, Josh's glasses, glasses off him because I'm concerned he can't see how amazing you all look, you would all be like, she is a smother mother. Here's the thing. We have spiritual eyes. And the word of God is like glasses. When you read the word of God, it is like glasses. 
because it opens something up to you. It opens up the treasures and, and the, the, the insights of God and his heart and his power and his majesty and the heaven. And we put them on. But because of some of the things that we do, our glasses get filthy. And as much as me and Barry are the pastors and we're instructed to feed you spiritually, you have to understand that there is a growing up to do. And for some people in here, today is about growing up. For others, it's about growing further. But you can't walk around with filthy spiritual glasses and expect to see the wonders of the word of God and the wonders of God in all his full, full, fullest. And, and the wonder of his miracles. And you can be looking and you're like, why are they seeing what they're seeing? If I look and I go, why are they seeing what they're seeing? I'm like, well, why am I not? Why am I not? You know, you can't go from Sunday to Sunday and for me and Barry and any other preacher that stands up here to feed you. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Because you've got to come from being a baby and you've got to grow up. You've got to grow up and I... Today, I believe God is saying it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And you've got to clean those glasses and ask God to clarify your sight. Show you things that might be causing your sight spiritually to be blocked, to not be able to see anything. You know, I eventually submitted to wearing glasses. It took about 10 years. But eventually, I submitted. I spent 10 years of needing to wear glasses and refusing to wear them. Is there anybody in the room like that about the word of God? I kid you not. In the end, I, I relented after 10 years because I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't see what was being put on the synopsis on Sky. Barry would be like, you really can't see I'd be like, ah. Or like, I, I, like, I'd go to a restaurant and put me torch on, on my phone to read the menu. So it'd be like, mum. Turn it off. I will read it to you. But how many times can we be like that about the word of God? And then suddenly we find ourselves in such a blind place that we're like, oh, well, maybe, just maybe the word of God works. Maybe, just maybe, the glasses work. But I don't wake up in the morning and lie there for Barry to put the glasses on my face. I have to put my glasses on. I get up in the morning and I clean my glasses. Maybe we could just wake up in the morning and align ourselves spiritually and say, God, give me eyes to see. Open my spiritual eyes. Show me if there is something that is clouding it. I baked a few weeks ago with Charlotte and I got cake mix down the middle of my lens. And so actually every time I looked at anybody on this side, all they had was a big dribble of cake mix in the middle of the face. And I couldn't see you clearly because there was something blocking. And sometimes we don't know what it is. Sometimes it's not intentional, but it's a time of growth. It's a time of saying to God, God, show me, show me what it is. Paul said he wants us to see his power. He wants us to see it, not just talk about it. He wants us to have an insight, not just to refer to what somebody else has told us. He wants us to see it. For ourselves. The other day I was driving down a road and there was some uh, roadworks. And they had out the human traffic lights. Um, you know where somebody stands there with a stop sign and a start sign and a stop sign. And this man is stood there and everybody's paying attention to him. Every, nobody plowed him down. Nobody drove over him. 
everybody paid attention. It reminded me to a conversation I had earlier in the week with my mom about my granddad and how he would stand in the middle of a really, really busy road. He was meant to, by the way. You know when police officers stand in the middle of a busy road? And he would stop the traffic. He would beckon the traffic. He would tell them to turn right. He would tell them to turn left. And he never got run over. The man with the start stop sign in the middle of the road the other day never got run over because they carried an authority. It was all about the authority that they carried. Nobody stopped the man with the stop start sign and said, can I have a look at your CV, please? What qualifications have you got? No. The start stop sign was enough for everybody in their cars to know this man has been given an authority and he's acting in the authority that has been given to him. When you go to a wedding and the vicar stands at the front and says, by the power vested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife. The power that is vested in me is means it's been officially given. It's been assigned to somebody and it's been secured as the possession of that person. And as Christians, sometimes we can be so focused on the fact that we've made that commitment and we know where we're going, we're going to heaven and we know that we can pray to God, but we miss the jewels and the power that have been given to us because we are Christians. Because as we are walking through this life, ready to cross over into eternity, your life here matters. God has given to us and invested into us, into our possession specifically for us an authority and a power that just like the man with the start stop sign everybody just knew he's got the power sometimes the problem is we don't believe we've got the power or maybe we don't even understand we've got the power but as we make our way through this life it isn't just a case of just oh let's hope for the best or let's hope that God's gonna you know intervene in a situation God's like, you can exist and just wait for an answer, or you can overcome and use what's already been given to you. What we read at the beginning, it talks about spiritual wisdom and insight. I want to tell you this human wisdom will contaminate you. It will contaminate you if you rely on your own wisdom. I don't know whether anybody else's wisdom have got them in a right mess in the past. Like my wisdom has got myself in a right mess in the past. Time and time and time again. Our own wisdom will contaminate our life because it cannot abide with the wisdom of God. There is no conversation waiting to happen between you and God while you advise God on whether his wisdom is correct. God's not actually interested in your opinion on the matter. He's all sovereign. He's all powerful. He's creator God. He knows how everything ticks. He knows how everything goes. And he does not need my wisdom and my input. Because my wisdom is something that is tainted. It's something that is tainted by the things of the world. It's something that's tainted by tainted by human understanding, but his understanding and his wisdom is not tainted. That's why human wisdom will contaminate you because it is contaminated by the things of this world. 
God doesn't need our opinion or our wisdom or our advice to make his mind up. His mind is made up. His mind is made up. It says, Paul says he wants us to have a confident hope and that we would understand God's power. Further on in that, in verse 19, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Not just the incredible greatness of God's power, but the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. So it's not just learning about this incredible greatness of God's power. What Paul is saying, it's in you. It's for you. It's in me. It's for me, for everyone who believes in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Let's just read that again. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, so the crucifixion gets taken from the cross, he's placed in the tomb, that same power raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven, and now he is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. When Jesus ascended to heaven, it wasn't a case of, oh, just pull up a seat. God didn't go, oh, just pull up a seat. Sit wherever you want. Oh, there's one spare on the right. If we truly understand the significance, the significance of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father, Because when the right hand of God is used in the Bible, it talks of power. It says, I will uphold you with my mighty right hand. So the reason why Jesus was given the place at the right hand of God the Father is because it is a place of power. Now it says Jesus is seated. Jesus is seated because his work is done. When he ascended to heaven and he was seated at the right hand of God the Father is because for us there is nothing more for Jesus to do. His work was done. If you think about it, so say for example if I'm cooking tea and I'm busy and I'm cooking tea and everything's done, dishes are done, rubbish is out, everything's done, I sit down because it's done. So we don't need to wait for Jesus to do any more for us church. It's done. It's done. The cross Ended it all. It's done. And that's when then he took his rightful place in the place of power at God's right hand. But he is sat in power. He's not sat in retirement. He's not sat in redundancy. That's why he sat at the right hand of God the Father because the right speaks of power. So Jesus is sat in power. He can't be overruled. Jesus sat down because it's done done it I've done it so now he rules in power he rules in power because everything else is under his feet Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead 
He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. Living in you. Now, the man with the start stop sign, he says sat in his truck and never got out of his truck and actually used the authority that had been given to him, he would merely be existing. He would just merely be existing. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Ask yourself the question, how many times do you ask that spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that dwells in you for wisdom? How many times do you pray and ask for those things before going and trying to find it out for ourselves? Before actioning things for ourselves? The size of power, I don't even think that's the right phrase, but anyway, <laughs> the size of power that Jesus has, the size of power dwells in you, dwells in me. So I should be living a victorious life. I should be living from a place of victory. I should be an overcomer and not be defeated. But how many times do I feel like I'm defeated? How many times do I feel like I'm not living from a place of victory? But it's not because there's anything wrong with what God has done. So what is it with me? What is it with me? That's why we need to be prayerful and saying, God, reveal to me. Reveal to me is there something that's blocking my vision of you. Reveal it to me. Is there something we need to let go of? Is there something we need to move forward in? That resurrection power where the dead comes to life is in you. It's in you. It's in me. The resurrection power, the victory power. But guess what? There's even more. There's even more. So we've already said that Jesus is seated at the right hand because he's in a place of power. Yeah? That same spirit dwells in us, that resurrection power. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says this. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So what it says is we're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. How can that be? There's a scripture that says we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Which means we're here but we're somewhere else. You see, whoever created Zoom, made a fortune in lockdown, I do know that much, but whoever created Zoom and thought they were incredibly, incredibly intelligent, incredibly clever, and they are, because I couldn't do what they've done. But here's the thing, we've done way before that. How can we be in Warrington, but present at a meeting in London? How can we be present at a meeting in London, taking the direction, getting insight into things, and then able to apply it to our own life in Warrington? That's probably the nearest example I can get to how we can be here, but we can be seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
It's how we choose to live. And if we live in a spirit realm, if we live in that place where we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just like if you're at a Zoom in a different part of the world, you take from that and you apply it to your life now. That's exactly what it is. If we live that we are seated in a place in, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, it says that he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Jesus is seated in power. The same power is in us and we are seated with him too. Okay, I'm going to do that again because do you know what? Like this blows my mind so much. I don't even know whether you can see. I never do this. But in my notes, I put a blow your head off emoji in my notes, right? And I never put emoji in my notes, but I'm like, I've got to get this across. Like, this is mind-blowing. This is life-changing. It's life-changing. Do you understand that, church? It's life-changing. You might feel like you're existing. You might be looking at somebody else and going, well, why are they seeing all the miracles? But it's not because God prefers them. Maybe you never realized that we're here, but we're not here. We're not here. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, in a place of power, in a place of authority. Jesus is seated in power. The same power is in us, and we are seated there too. We're seated there too, and it's time to start living. Like we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's time to not be looking at the magnitude of a situation, but rather see it about the authority and the power that is within us, that has been placed within us. Luke 10, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. And you might go, well, my life doesn't look like that. Can I tell you the truth? Mine doesn't always look like that either. It doesn't. But that's where I've got to grow up a little bit more in Christ. That's where I've got to stop trying to work it out with my own wisdom and go, but God, your word says this. And you're not a man that lies. Your word says this. So if your word says you have given me authority over the power of the enemy, then you've given me authority over the power of the enemy. If your word says that I am seated in heavenly places with Christ, then I might not understand it, but that's okay. Who can fathom? Who can fathom the mind and the works and the depths of God? We're not meant to. Somebody needs to be released of that in this place today. I believe it. You are trying to work out and understand and fathom the depths of God and the understanding of God and the ways of God. And the release for you today is you're not meant to. You don't have to understand it all. You can pray for revelation and that God would reveal more to you. That's a good thing to do. But this stress that you're carrying because you don't understand it, unless you understand it, you can't go with it. It's not your place to understand it. Be released from that today. 
It's not your place to understand it. Just start to live like it's true. Meditate. Meditation is a good thing in the right way. Not meditating on things, alternative therapies, religions, all that kind of thing. No, that talks in the Bible about meditate on the word of God. Meditate on good things. These scriptures that I've talked about, go home and meditate on them. If you meditate on them, meditating on them is to focus on something, is to ponder on something, is to um, be intentional, be intense as well about something. If you go home and meditate, meditate on those scriptures that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you go home and meditate on those words and let it take a deep, deep root in you, you will begin to live in a different realm. You will begin to live in a spiritual realm and in heavenly realms. You've got to use your authority. got to live like it's true because when the adversities come when the trials come when those temptations come whatever it is you've got to use your authority and if you're living like it's true and you're meditating on those things and those things become a reality for you you've got to use your authority how do you use your authority your authority you speak out the name of jesus the name of jesus is your stop and go sign the name of jesus it's the hand that goes no further. The name, you see, what we, we can do is we can use the name of Jesus to stop things. In the name of Jesus, I want this to stop, I want that to stop. But I want to say to you, start saying in the name of Jesus, I release the things of God over my life. In the name of Jesus, I release the finance that is being backed up by the enemy over my life. In the name of Jesus, I release that job that the Lord has got for me. In the name of Jesus, I don't, don't, just, don't just stop things and bind things, but release things. Release things. You might not know what the will of God is for your life. That's okay. But say in the name of Jesus, I release the will of God over my life. In the name of Jesus, that I would have clear and, and, and clarity of sight that I would know the next step to take in my life in the will of God. Use your authority. You know, names open doors. I was telling somebody the other day who, who was asking for recommendations on a business. And there was uh, two businesses that we use. And one we've used for many years. And I gave them the details and the name of the person that we deal with. And they said, I'll let them know you've sent me. And that's generally what we do. We'll say, oh, you, you recommend someone. Oh, I'll tell, you, I'll tell them that you told me to come. Because when you do that, suddenly there's a familiarity and that name can sometimes open a door. It can open a door to a discount. It can open a door, it can open a door to a job. It can open a door to many things. Names open doors. And we understand as human beings that names open doors. But I want to say it's even greater in the spirit realm. The name of Jesus is higher and carries more weight than anything else than any discount we can get, than any job that we can get, than any senior doctor we can get. The name of Jesus carries the weight that we need to change things. And when you use the name of Jesus, believing, you've got to believe it. 
I can read our Charlotte a story, and we can have a lovely time reading her a story, and there's a book that she loves called Wave Me Goodbye, and it's about in the war and these children that get taken from the parents, everything. It's an amazing story, but I actually am reading a story. But with the Word of God, you can read a story or you can believe it and unlock the power that, and the potential that's in the Word of God. Because if you are believing that you are seated with Him at the right hand of God the Father, you are backed by all the power of heaven. You are backed by all the power of heaven. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow to that name. In John 14, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There is an authority that has been vested into you and into me. It has been given to your possession, entrusted to your possession. Why? Because you're a child of God. Why? Because you chose to trust. Why? Because you're a Christian. And it's been placed in there, in you. But we can't see it because we're so fogged up with other stuff. I would recommend that we go home and we start to look at those things that might be fogging up our views of God, fogging up seeing things spiritually. It could be worry. It could be anxiety. It could be control because we like to control things. Whatever it might be, what are those things? It could be a certain behavior that we're doing. It could be that we're Christians, but we know that in an area we're acting in an ungodly way. And what's happening is it's stopping us from seeing the miracles and understanding the full power and authority that we've got. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John encountered a lame man at the gate, beautiful. When I was a little girl in Sunday school, we used to sing the song. I could sing it to you. I remember it really, really well. I'm not going to. Barry's panicking on the front row. And this lame man, he was asking for alms. He wanted money. And as Peter and John walked past, he turned to him and said, not got silver and gold, but what I have got, I'm going to give to you. Like, get ready. Are you ready? In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Not got silver and gold for you. Silver and gold's not going to heal you. Silver and gold's not going to change your life. But what I have got, I'm going to give to you. That's what I feel about this preach this morning. What I've got, I'm going to give you. And I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you the revelation, if you've never had it before, that the authority of Jesus Christ is in you. And you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And that, that changes everything for you. It changes everything. It changes your jobs. It changes your finances. It changes your relationship. It changes your anxiety. It changes your worry. It changes your illness. It changes your family dynamics. It changes your relationship problems. It changes the marriage that's about to break down. It changes everything. Because nothing trumps the authority of Jesus Christ that has been placed in us as his believers. And you know what? You know when, when he, he said, well, I'm gonna, what I've got for you, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. 
He got up and he walked. He got up and he walked because what they said had an authority. It had an authority. They spoke with authority. They, they went, well, I haven't got any money, but I'm going to see what I can do about it. I'm gonna, what is what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm gonna, I'm, and hopefully it's going to work. But the authority that they spoke into that man's life with, the authority, as they spoke with that authority, it hit that man. It hit that man. And he suddenly realized, I thought this was going to change everything. But that has changed everything for me. And it wasn't the, the anointing of the men or the power of their name. It was the authority in the name of Jesus. And that same authority belongs to us. Using the name of Jesus is how we use the authority that has been given to us. I feel like sometimes we should carry around almost a flashcard. And if you can think of it in your mind this way, that when something is coming against you and you feel like you're about to drown, the waters are so deep they're above your head. Or you feel like you are walking through a fire and how on earth is it not burning you? You feel like you're going to be burnt to death. I, wanna, I want you to imagine, you can imagine with me now, a white piece of card. And on it just says the name Jesus. It just says the name Jesus. And when those things, when you're laying in bed at night and you're working out how on earth am I going to pay the bills? You're working out how on earth is this illness going to work out for me? How on earth are you going to bring my family back together? How on earth is this going to happen? And you feel I am at the end of myself. I don't know what the answer is. You know what you do? You hold up your flashcard to it. Jesus. Jesus. That's how it's all going to work out. Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue must confess that he is Lord. Jesus is how it's all going to change if the worship team want to join me up on stage. It's not your anointing or power that's going to change your circumstance. It's not your wisdom that's going to change your circumstance. The good news today is that it's Jesus's. It's his power that's going to change everything. You're off the hook. All you've got to do is seek him. That's your only responsibility. Seek him and acknowledge the authority and use the authority that he's given you. The understanding of your situation, you're off the hook. The wisdom for the situation, you're off the hook. In your own natural self. But what we're not off the hook with as Christians you're a Christian we're not off the hook in seeking God we're not off the hook in not using the authority that God's given us so that's something that is required of us it's required of us to seek God it's required of us to ask for his wisdom it's required of us to ask for his guidance it's required of us to use that authority
Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. But he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ in Romans. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. We are required to seek God as Christians. We're required to want to know his way. That's how you overcome rather than exist. If you just go along with it, you're just going to exist. But if you seek God and use the authority that has been given to you, you will overcome. Today, it's time to take ownership of what is already yours. It's already been given you. On what is already yours and use it.